0: Well, I've grown up in church and I've heard a lot of music, but uh, that was good stuff there. Wow. I've, I've been praying for an atmosphere of worship and praise in this building that we would let loose and worship a god that's worthy of our praise i've been praying for people to enter into the presence of god not to just sing a song not to just sing another lyric not to just read another word off of a screen but to actually show up and worship a god that makes a difference in their life <laughs> to lift a hand of praise to lift a, a void of a voice of shout unto god and i've been just that that's been real heavy on my heart that when we come here we just don't come here to play a game We don't come here to just shake a hand and smile at someone, but we actually enter into the presence of God. If you were here last week, you know that I preached. We now have full access to all that He is. We have full access to everything that He is. We have full access to the purpose in our life that He can reveal to us the things that He wants to do for us in our lives We no longer have to bring sacrifices of animals and ritualistic things and religious jargon. All we have to do is come to Him. The Bible says all you who are weary and heavy laden, all you got to do is come to me and I will give you rest. He'll make your burden light. He says my yoke is easy. All you've got to do is run to Jesus. He hears your SOS. He wants to rescue you from whatever it is that you need to be rescued from. You've just got to listen to his voice. Amen? I feel like preaching today in case you haven't recognized. Because I'm so thankful for what he's done for me. There's a lot like you and I love you. But there's only one like him and I worship him. Amen? How many of you thankful today that you can worship a God that loves you? How much does he love me, Pastor Scott? He loves you so much that he sent his son to die that you might be able to be forgiven. The Bible tells me that there's no greater love that a man would lay down his life for a friend. And that's exactly what Jesus did for me. That's what Jesus did for you. Even when the haters hate, even when the haters hate, he still loves me. Why? Because haters gonna hate. But you can't do nothing about the blessing that he done blessed me with. You're not in control of none of that. I'm going to walk on in Jesus name. Hallelujah. I better get into my notes. Somebody said something to me today about a bunny trail. And I don't know much about bunnies, but I have been on trails before. And I think a bunny trail means that I get off my notes a couple of times and it makes me delay on what I want to talk to you about. So I was once told by a veteran preacher, a very experienced preacher, that you've got to learn how real quick in your ministry now, it's going to fall apart. You've got to stand up, speak up, and shut up. If you don't learn that fast, you're, gonna, you're not going to last long. So I'm going to try my best today to do that. Shutting up's the hard part, by the way, out of them three. I'm like many of you, I'm battling some uh, sinus issues this week, uh, but I'm praying that God will... Allow me to hold up here for at least about 20 to 30 minutes as I bring a message to you. Last week we talked about Jesus changing the way that we gain access to God. And we'll set the table for you just a little bit. How we gain access to God and the things of God. Where they used to have to enter into the holy place to get to the holy of holies. And I had to bring a sacrifice to someone else that was humanity just like me. So that they could then connect to God so that I could get something from God. Well, you see, God had a better way. We were waiting on a Messiah for just the perfect time. And when Jesus came, that's when we were able to then not have to go to the Holy of Holies. I can actually bring a sacrifice of praise unto God on my own right here where I'm standing at. I could be in the middle of the Sahara Desert. I could be out here in some cornfield somewhere. I could be praying to you. I could be in my car. I can enter into the presence of God wherever I am at because he left with us the Holy Spirit. Now, I've got access to that at all times. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is your comforter. Why is it your comforter? Because when Jesus left this earth and ascended back to heaven after he died, resurrected, he told told his disciples, I've got to go. They were afraid. They were scared. He said, but listen, i got a plan for you. I'm going to leave with you. My Holy Spirit. that spirit will be a comforter unto you. Invite that spirit into your heart, into your life, and allow him to illuminate the gifts, talents, and everything that you were created to be. You were something special when God made you. He doesn't make any mistakes. God knows exactly what he's doing. And anything that goes south in this world is because of the downfall of humanity and the, and the deprivation of humanity since the Garden of Eden when we decided that we didn't want to live out the principles and be obedient unto God. Everything else about God is just good. He's all good. Ain't nothing about God that's bad. Nothing. He's a real good God. And I'm glad that I have access to him. We have to make sure that as we experience God in all aspects of our life, that uh, we just don't talk about experiencing God, but we actually experience God in our lives. I talked to you a little bit about falling into the transactional relationship, believing that if I do this, God will do this. Listen, man, God's already done it all. Ain't nothing else God got to do for you to get what he has for you. You have to learn how to gain access. That's spiritual progress on the spiritual continuum, living out the principles of God in your life, being obedient, praying, living out what it is that God wants you to do so that I continue to gain access into the different realms of who he is and what he wants to do for me. He doesn't have to do anything else. He's already here. So we have to learn how to gain access and to continue to gain access in order to have increase. When the time comes to live it out and apply what it is that God wants you to apply in life, the pleasing things of God, you've got to give a little bit of spiritual elbow grease. That's where it goes south for some of y'all. Spiritual elbow grease, is, that just means i got to dig in my prayer closet a little bit because the enemy's coming after me more ways than one. But I like the fact that any enemy that comes to me in one way, the Bible says, shall flee from me in seven ways. I'm more than an overcomer through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We must be careful that we don't become religious and make God transactional. We've got to put in some spiritual elbow grease. Not to be ritualistic and put more value into a calculated system and patterns than we put into an authentic experience with God. There are things in this world that I depend on, but there comes a threshold at some point in time in all of our lives when the things that we can depend on according to man that makes sense to man, we're going to have to abandon because we no longer have control and we've got to enter into another realm of who God is and He can do what we cannot do. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah authenticity and authentic experience with God I've always contended that once you know God and become saved you either fully dedicate your life to him or you run from him but if you've had an authentic experience you can't forget about him you might be running but you can't hide if it's been authentic you could be out there living like you want to live doing what you want to do I feel like that's the old Ghostbuster theme song. Y'all from back in the 80s know that song. Do what they want to do. Live how they want to live. Say what they want to say. I think it might have been MC Hammer. But you can't live how you want to live. You can't do what you want to do. You can't say what you want to say. You got to do what God wants you to do. You got to live how God wants you to live. You got to say what God wants you to say. And even when you're running, if the experience has been authentic, you can run, but you cannot hide. That's right. You cannot hide. How do I know? Because I don't try to run before. We have to learn that all God ever really wanted from us in the first place is an authentic relationship where He is Father and we are child. He is Master and we are servant. If we believe there is more of God to experience in our life, the question actually becomes... How can we experience more of God in our lives? Or what are we doing to limit more of God in our lives? Because God fills all of the empty spaces. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't go anywhere to escape the presence of God. So if we want to enter into the presence, what is it that we're doing to limit God's presence in our life? It's not God. Somebody say, it's me. It's me. Some of y'all thought it, and I'm going to ask y'all to say it. Say, it's me. it's me. Keeping yourself from experiencing all of God. Oh, nasty thinking, bitter, this, that, whatever, talking, to man, you just need to let go and let God, man. You can't control everybody. Do what God wants you to do. Get in your lane and serve him, for goodness sake. Find out what lane you got to be in. Somebody catch the vision and get on board with me. I think one of the main things that we go through, I laugh at the band all the time. They got multiple conversations going on on the text messages. I love it. I I see all the messages going on. I'm going to mess you all up. Just relax. I'm going to mess you all up in a little while. Just be prepared to come up to the stage. I'm going to mess you up. One of the things that we do to limit God in our life is we allow for fear to overcome things in our life. And it begins to dictate things about what we do in life. So the questions become how do you deal with fear spiritually? How do you process fear? All of us have it. You're not immune to fear. How do you identify fear in your life? It's pretty important. How do you know when you're scared? And if you're scared, what you got to do? You're scared, man. Say you're scared. (laughs) Some of you get that if you're from where I'm from. How do you combat fear with a blessed assurance that God is in control? That's hard to do. That's difficult. Simply put, the enemy desires for fear to be so evident in your life that it limits the power of God in your life. He wants fear to be bigger than God in your mind. Rather than God being bigger than all things and being an overcome overcomer, by the blood of the lamb that was shed. We are overcomers. Somebody say overcomer. Overcomer. couple of overcomers in here. I appreciate y'all. Got any more overcomers? Somebody say overcomer. overcomer. Okay. If I could describe in simple terms how every believer should deal with fear, I would simply say, Faith over fear. By the way, this sermon was never supposed to be about fear when I first, God put the first there is more on my heart and on my mind. It was supposed to be about more forgiveness, more love, more grace, more mercy, more hope, and all of that. But God led me down this path. Because you know you got all that coming to you. You already know if I say, well, God's grace got you covered. You say, I know, but then you see you still live in fear. So we got to figure out how to overcome fear so we can access the grace. There's more over here, but we're living in fear. We can't even access it because we're paralyzed by fear of a lot of stuff. How do you deal with it? How do you process it? How do you identify it? That's a big one. How do you combat fear with the blessed assurance that God is in control? Faith over fear. We've got to learn how to have faith over fear. At face value, you might be thinking right now, I'm good on this point. I'm okay. I'm going to just fall back, man. I'm straight. I don't get afraid a lot. You're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to take a step backwards. It's the two-step backwards, one-step forward Christian mentality because you think you're good with everything. You're discounting the power of the enemy in your life. He's going to rule a kingdom one day called hell and people are actually going to fall victim of it and spend eternity in this place. You can't overcome it. You don't have the power. But God sent Jesus Christ to resurrect from the dead because he has the power to overcome. You've got to learn how to walk in his name. Anybody know that old song, We've Got the Power? Some of y'all know it. I would sing it, but I'd beat it up right now because I'm hoarse and I got that drainage and stuff going on. I can't sing that well when I don't have the drainage going on. I ain't about to try it with the drainage going on. Somebody told me last week that if you want to know if you can harmonize or not, you got to do it in the same room where the dogs are at. Because if you're not harmonizing, they said this was the truth. This is an experienced musician that I've got a lot of respect for. One of the better musicians I've ever been around. He said, look, if you want to know if you're harmonizing right, you got to try to harmonize when the dog is in the room. And if you harmonize well, it will be pleasing to the dog. And if not, that dog's going to get the howling. So that, I said, man, you're lying to me. you lying. He said, no, I'm dead serious. So anyway, I don't want to get the dogs howling today. Faith over fear. What this fear? We must learn the difference between if you think you're straight and you think you're good with all of this and you got fear in a box and you've overcome all those things and you have in Jesus' name. But if you decide that you want to take your eye off the prize, then you have forgotten that there is a difference between faith in God and faith that God will. There's a big difference between those two. I have faith in God almost my entire life. Faith that there is a God. Faith that God is my way to heaven. Faith that God sent his son to die for my sins. That I've got to give my heart to God. Faith that God is the creator of the universe. That's faith in God. I'm a God believer. I have faith that there's a God. But I've had to grow from that as a baby Christian on the bottle and the sippy cup, right? You, 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 can't, you can't just go for the steak right away. You know, you, everybody want to get to the steak? You got to get on the spiritual bottle first. You can't even come up off the sippy cup yet. Talking about I want to preach. Boy, you better grab a paint roller. Right. You're still on the sippy cup. But now I've learned to grow in not just faith in God, but faith that God will. Faith that God will do what he said he will do. Manifested power that I can't control. Manifested miracle-working power that only can come from God. Faith that God will sustain me through the storms. That's different than faith in God. Faith that God will allow me to overcome sickness and disease. Can I get a witness? We got any cancer survivors in here? I know we got one. We got two. We got three. We got four. Faith that God will sustain me through sickness and health. That's different than faith in God. So if you want to overcome fear, you've got to understand Faith that God will sustain me through my darkest times and my darkest hours when the enemy wants to paralyze me in fear of the unknown. Fear of what's going to happen. The Bible says, cast out all your anxieties or all your cares on him. Fear not. He'll give you rest. Fear is a tactic that the enemy Wants to use to keep you from Christian living Fear is deception that the enemy wants you to subscribe to To keep you from experiencing more of God in your life The enemy always wants to keep you from more He knows he's lost He doesn't want you to discover all that he is He realizes the more you experience I'm talking about the enemy The more you experience God The more your faith will grow This is dangerous for Christians that's been serving God for too long. See, I used to walk a little bit in fear, but see, now I just talk back to the enemy and I tell him, you don't come along too late for me, man. God's already done too much in my life. I no longer just have faith in God, but I have faith that God will work in my life. You don't come along too late to tell me otherwise. This ministry has taught me a lot about that. A lot about what's important. I don't know how long we're going to be in the rink. Any of you that have been with this church for any amount of time, you know that I stood on that stage many a days, years ago, saying, we aren't dying in the plaza. I'm not dying in the plaza. I don't know where it's going to be. And I don't know when it's going to be. And I don't know how we're going to get there. But I believe that if we're faithful unto God and allow for him to orchestrate the steps, because when God orchestrates our steps, he says that he will cover us and he will go before us, yeah. Yeah. could see all of this. But I did have the faith that God will move us where he wants to move us. If you really want me to blow your mind, I still have faith that this isn't it. This is just a stepping stone. What's the rest look like? I really don't know. This ain't it. Why? Because we're going to draw them in by the thousands. And that parking lot ain't big enough. I don't have a permit big enough to bring them in here. I don't know what all that's going to look like. But I have faith that God will because I'm obedient. And I no longer just have faith in, but I have faith that he will. I don't know what it is in your life that you need God to move on. You might need God to influence people that you work with. You might need God to influence people that you live with. You might need God to influence doctors that you're under the care of to give them knowledge and discernment about how to do their job best. You might need God to influence your finances. And there have been people in this church that have been blessed beyond measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. I can see it in their lives. I don't know what it is that you need God to rescue you from, to have faith in. But I do know that God will, if you give him a chance, right. step out. What are you afraid of? What do you have to lose? What is paralyzing you? Spend the last few minutes of the day here. I'm glad we started at 1045. Did some of y'all notice why you were still over at the coffee pot that the music started? I've been cutting off the word too much. I need some time to get it to you. I need some time to get the word to you. This word is deep. This word is deep. Somebody came to me last week just blown away by some things that they had discovered about the word. They came to me in tears. Tears of joy. It was good tears. came to me about the word talking about I didn't know about all this. I didn't know this stuff was in here. I can remember those moments for me and my studies and my time. I still go through this, uh, just maybe not as frequently as I used to. When you discover something in the Word that just lights you up, and you're like, what? Now, for a guy like me, I can remember in Sunday school, because I got ADD. Y'all know that, right? They never diagnosed me, but if you listen to me preach for 20 minutes, you know I got something causing me not to pay attention. I don't know if it's ADD or not, but something, go, something be getting on me. So for me, I remember when stuff started to illuminate, I went through this prayer and fast revival. Said so I'm going to try this, man. I'm going to try this prayer and fast. I always heard them talk about it. I'm going to try it now. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, skip to the breakfast. Then the preacher started talking about, hey, this is a three-day prayer and fast revival. I said, hold on. You mean we just push the plate back for breakfast and we pray for uh, two and a half days? mm No, this, this, you can do what you want to do, but I'm going to do three days. So me being me, cool. I'm going to do me three days, too. Boy, I didn't know what I was in for. My life changed. I remember reading in the Bible. I still remember where I was at. I pulled over down because uh, I got to get, now I don't do the whole fast. I do, I do the liquid man. Cause I'll fade out on you. You'd be calling 911. I'd be down on the ground mark. would be trying to resuscitate and get the defibrillator out. I got to have some juices. <coughs> so I remember being in this parking lot where I went into this market and got the juices and stuff. And I thought I'm gonna read my word a little bit in between work and, and school. This is back in my school days. I was about 20 years old. was God to move in my life. 20 years old, that's a hard age. How many of you know it? Be lost and undone, don't know where you're going, like a termite in a yo-yo. So I was praying to God, and I remember reading in in Exodus. I could not believe that I actually found the story about Moses in the Bible. I done grew up in this stuff. Man, I put stickers on the Sunday school contest, you know, trying to win the stuff, you know, like they do in Sunday school. Nobody else had that? We got to win the bike or something like that. (coughs) I never did get that bike. I must say I interrupted the class too much. But anyway, I remember thinking, man. And it just started to light up off the pages for me. This is in here? What they've been telling me? This is it? And I started reading about the plagues, and I started reading about the burning bush, and I started reading about the staff that they throw over the uh, cast out towards the Red Sea and the wall and, and how it smothered the enemy after they. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I heard. I was actually reading in the word. It lit up to me. And things begin to just boil over in my life, the goodness of God. I've never looked back since. I've made some mistakes. I'm not the same guy now that I was then, but he wasn't all bad. But even today, I'm still on my way to what God wants me to be. And I begin to dig into the Word. And what I know about the Word is if fear is something in your life causing you to not be able to access the fullness of God... This word to take care of it. This word is actually not my word. It's the inspired word of God. I'll just open it up here. The word of the Lord Almighty Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It's the Word of God. That's Zechariah. Old Testament. Hallelujah. Justice and mercy And I begin to dig into it It's when god began to put a call on my life. I didn't know I was gonna do all of this My biggest dream in life back then believe it or not one of them one of them professional dreams Not my personal dreams about my wife and my kids back there. That's that that's my big dreams, right? But uh one of my biggest dreams back in the day was, man, I wanted to win a state title. Man, I pursued that like all get out, man. And then God just began to change me. Not because pursuing, that's a bad thing, but because I was in my wrong lane. I wasn't bad at the coaching deal. I was all right, man. I understand kids. I don't browbeat them. I don't run them because they play bad. I try to fix what they do wrong so that we can get better and all of that stuff. But God wasn't calling me to that. He was calling me to this. I didn't see it all. That's 20 27 years ago. I didn't see it all. Matter of fact, that's back in 1992. That's longer than 27 years ago, ain't it? That's when I started all of that. So there's some things, as I finish up here, took all of that to get you to this. How does the enemy try to use fear to keep you from experiencing more of God in your life? I'm going to give you a fear tactic that he wants to use, and then I'm going to give you a faith statement to combat what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy as God is moving in your life, would like you to believe, I'm not qualified for something like that. That's why when we get new people into the building, I'm like, hey man, want to be a door greeter? You can't go all in with them, talking about Sunday school class. Hey man, you want to check the thermostats before we leave, make sure they're all pushed down to the zero mark? See, they're qualified for that in their mind, but what they don't know is, that's just entry level servanthood. God can do so much more as we begin to be obedient. Yeah, I'll just the uh, thermostats for you. Pastor Scott, I'm qualified for that. What they really don't know is they're qualified for so much more, but the enemy wants to paralyze you with the word of fear that says that's too much for you. You're not cut out for all of that. The faith statement is that God will qualify the Unqualified. It's what he specializes in. I'm thankful for that today because I'm not qualified for this. But he learns to qualify the unqualified through obedience. 2 Corinthians 3 and 5 says, Is it not that we are qualified to do anything on our own? It is not that we are not qualified. Our qualification comes from God. I didn't learn none of this in seminary. I study the word. I do this, that. I, I, I try to operate up under the anointing and all of that. But I don't have no degrees in none of this. My degree is in education. I can talk to you about curriculum maps, standards, alignment, this, that, uh, beginning, middle, end, stuff that'll bore you all day long. But see, this right here come alive in my life. I'm not qualified for this, but he qualified me In Jesus' name, up under the power and anointing of Jesus. If I think about it too long, I tuck and run because I'm not qualified. But under the anointing of Jesus, He qualifies the unqualified. I don't know what it is you're praying about today, but you are the man or woman that God is calling to do what you think you're unqualified. Don't listen to the word of fear anymore in your life. The enemy's been defeated. The other fear tactic that the enemy likes to use. uh, That's too much risk, man. I can't take a chance on that one. That's too big. This is one I've been a victim of before. That's too much. Too much risk there. I like the quantified, right? I like it to add up. That doesn't take any faith. When it doesn't add up, The enemy wants to strike fear saying, oh, what you doing, man? You thought about this long enough? You sure that's where God wants you at? Because you're afraid because of the security that God has allowed you to live in. I got a comfortable life right now. I don't want to mess that up as if I'm in control in the first place. I only am what I am and have what I have because Jesus decided that he wanted to bless me because of, my obedience unto him. I'm not in control of none of that. So actually, what is at risk is not being able to access more of God by being obedient to God. You're withholding more blessings that could be pressed down, shaking together, shaking together and running over. You know what that is, right? When you put the leaves in the bag, right, and then jump on them a little bit. I jumped on some plastic in the dumpster Yesterday to fill up the dumpster, clean it up in here. And then you pressing it down so much and you shaking it, trying to get to the. You can't press it down and shake it enough. It just keeps running over. It's the blessing of God in your life. So for you to say, oh, that's too much of a risk, man. I can't take a chance on that. That's fear. It's a tactic of the enemy. The faith statement is God will make a way out of no way. I don't have the answer. The Bible says in Matthew 17, 20, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. Don't know what the mountain is in your life. You know, Jesus speaks figuratively in his, in his word. He speaks in parables. He, he, I told you, that's like he got them savage moments where he speaks some wild stuff that you got to get into. It's not for face value. I don't desire for a physical mountain to be moved somewhere in my life. I'm good where they're all at right now. The Appalachian can stay where they're at. The Rockies can stay where they're at. The Alps. I don't need to move them physical mountains. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about the mountains in your life that are keeping you from all that God wants you to be. You can say to that mountain, be moved from here to there. Get out of my way. Yeah. If you just have faith as small as a mustard seed. Right. Hallelujah. Right. Nothing. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. Hey, found that in the word. It's in here. Found that in the word. Didn't make that up. Found that in the word. You can't live without it. That'd be like a 12-year-old living without the navigation on the phone right now. You can't get nowhere without that. I got in somebody's car the other day. This boy is old school. I got in the car, he had like 15 maps in there. The map of Montana, the map of Iowa. You know how you used to pick them up at the rest stations. Man, that was the funnest part of the trip, trying to do the keys, see how far you got. You can't get nowhere without, you can't get nowhere without this. Nothing will be impossible for you. I found that in this word. See, the fear tactic is, that's too much of a risk. The faith statement is, nothing is too big for God. You might be lost. You might be undone. You might have messed things up. In my own terms, I like to say, "But man, I, I, used to, I jacked up so much of my life. I like the word jacked up. I jacked up so much of my life. I know that God's got his hand on everything and the timing of God and blah, blah, blah. But there's also such thing as my disobedience unto God calls for a delay in his purpose and plan for my life. Yes. That's right. I believe in my heart that maybe this church should be older than it is. But see, I ran because I didn't believe all this stuff. I walked in fear. Didn't know I was walking in fear. No one could tell because you see the enemy operates on deception, right? I didn't know what it was. It's fear. It's too much of a risk. I ain't going down that road. Another fear tactic that he uses, this is a big one. I'm guilty of this one a lot. What if I'm wrong? What if this is me and not God? I'll give you a a clear-cut example. In the last year of my life where this occurred we sitting on 100 south boulevard right we thought we was going to be over on this other street called ross avenue and i treat it like a baseball pitch right i treat it like a baseball pitch man it's always yes you got to be ready to swing it's always yes until you decide that it's a no so see, I'm always saying, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, come on, God, lay it on me, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, oh, yeah, I like it, looks good, like the stained glass, and then all of a sudden it was, nope, that's you, now let me give you a better plan. How do I know it's God's plan? Because we're here, ain't we? I didn't do this. This is a miracle of God. What if I'm wrong? Is this just me? Or is this God? It's a fear tactic. Working in deception. The faith statement is, God will work things together for my good. All things together. John ten twenty seven says that my sheep listen to my voice. Now you better be obedient. Forget what the rest of that says for a second. Forget all of that. Just listen to the first part. My sheep know my voice. Are you doing what God has called you to do? You a sheep, ain't you? You saved? You said You saved? You said you're, you're born again. Now you see the Spirit lives inside of you. I got born again. So that spirit, that Holy Spirit, God the Father, we've never seen. He lives in heaven, creator of the earth. Sent himself in the flesh, named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, to die for our sins. Then he ascended to heaven to reign at the right hand of the Father. But see, then he left his spirit. That lives inside of me when I become saved. So if I say I'm saved, then I got to know his voice. So you got two choices. Listen and obey, or listen and disobey. And if you can't hear, you ain't saved. How do I know that? Because he said, my sheep know my voice. If you can't hear him, you're not saved. But once, as I preached at the beginning, you have an authentic experience with God. You always hear that voice, even when you're running. Even when you're in the drunken stupor. Even if you roll a big fat one or whatever you do when you're disobeying God. So high you can't even see straight you still hear that voice. Because my sheep know my voice. I know them and they follow me. The enemy wants you to believe what if I'm wrong? Is this me? Nope. The Bible says I'll work all things together for your good. All you've got to do is listen to my voice and follow. Am I preaching too hard? I get sideways sometimes about the fatty and stuff, man. I'm sorry about that. All y'all that giggled, though, you know what I'm talking about. So we'll both pray for each other. (laughs) One last one. I feel comfortable with my timing today. So y'all be here at 1045 next week. It's 1051. I feel like I'm just ready to wrap this up. Here's another fear tactic that the enemy, this one worked on me for a long time. Probably works on me now still as much as it ever did because see, I get deeper. When you get deeper, it can get tougher, right? If I'm running from God, the enemy not messing with me. What are you going to mess with me for? I'm already running in the wrong way. He going to let me go. But when I start to follow, well, now he's going to attack me, right? He's on my back. Here's a fear tactic. Man, if I do this or that and obey God like that, man, God, man, God, don't call me to that. Please don't call me to that. Because why? What are others going to say about that? When I say, like I had to say to my wife, got a second? I don't even think I said I got a second because I, I don't say that. But I was like, hey, uh, by the way, man, I think I'm called to play in church preach some." Huh? I think I'm called from church, preach, man. Huh? I think I'm called to preach, man, and maybe plant a church. If you ever seen somebody look like they got ten heads, that's what she looked like at that moment. Like her eyes popped out of her head, and she—I'm gonna paraphrase—but she said, "Do you have any idea what you're even talking about?" She grew up in this. She'd been in her daddy's church since she was 10. He's still there, 34 years. That's a calling. Do you know what you're talking about? Do you really know what you're in for? So I'm like, dang, that didn't go well. How am I tell anybody else? My wife, my wife asks me questions like that. My boy's going to be like, Fuss said he's going to preach, man. Fuss said he's preaching, dude. He's standing, he's the first one laughing at the dirty jokes. Right? What are other people going to think about this? When I tell them, man, I've been changed. I ain't perfect. But I've been changed on the inside. What you see on the outside, God is still working on. But what's on the inside, I've been I've been changed I'm going to still trip I'm going to fall I'm going to let you down I might even still do some stuff that's inappropriate I've got a lot of that under my feet but I'm talking about back in the day because I didn't have the courage yet to stand up in Jesus name so then the moment came where she said hey by the way she stopped me she don't normally do that She grabbed me and stopped me Whatever it is you're called to do I'm behind you Doors was open Doors was open Why? That's my wife I made marriage vows to her I ain't getting in this by myself You think you get in this by yourself When you got a spouse? Boy you can't even come to church 52 weeks in a row If your spouse ain't in it with you Trust me when I say that I done seen them all fall off like that before not sure who that one was for what are they going to say about this I want you all to do that Christmas song you was doing that one blessed me so that requires the whole band what will others say here had to be the faith statement God still, try, or the enemy still tries this stuff with you, see? You guys are buying property? Where's it at? Is it up there on, uh, on, uh, up there by the, by the nice stuff up by the uh, Miller Brewery on the, on, the, on the Wayne Madison? No. Oh, you're going up to Liberty Township then, ain't you? Where all the traffic is, right? That's where the high traffic counts are. You're going up there, ain't you? And we're going down to south. See, I heard about Sow Boulevard before I ever worked here. Maybe for all the wrong reasons. Nah. God putting us down there on South. Hmm. That's one of them instruments, man. There it is. God put us on South Boulevard. Really? Yeah. I wonder what people's going to think about that. You going to South? They tearing stuff down on South. Down there, they tore something down. You moving in, they tearing stuff down, bro. Yeah, we moving in. In Jesus' name. We moving in in Jesus' name. Why? Because Romans 8.31 says, What shall I say in response to all of these things that people say? When they think what they shouldn't think. I say to them, if God be for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter at that point what you really think hallelujah if God be for me who can be against me no matter what you say I've got God Almighty on my side who can be against me you know what that is I'm gonna translate it for you God will do what he said he will do and his plan will be manifested and you ain't got nothing to do with it just obey Stand with me just for a second.